Hey, it's Nelly. And it's Juno. And you're listening to Two Addies and Coffee, please. Where we share unfiltered life experiences as young, badass Asian American women with ADHD. Welcome to another episode of Two Addies and a Coffee, Please. Today, we have a very special guest, Jill Chang, who is an international best-selling author of the book, Quiet is a Superpower. So hi, Jill. We're super, super happy to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. Could you give a brief background to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jill, and I'm actually from Taiwan. Currently, I wear two hats. One is I'm an international philanthropy advisor at a San Francisco-based international nonprofit called Give to Asia. And I'm also the author of Quiet is a Superpower. A little bit of background about myself. So before joining nonprofit, I was in the sports industry. I was an agent for professional baseball players, and I worked for state government before. And now, after Quiet is a Superpower became a bestseller in Taiwan two years ago, I've been giving speeches and trainings in different countries. I'm just so happy to be here to share my journey as an introvert. Awesome. Uh, I love your interesting background, especially like working in baseball and then the U.S. Yeah. government. So how has your experience like as an introvert in such an extroverted world been like, especially working in these places where you have to be more like people oriented? Yeah, so it's very interesting that as an introvert, my career has actually always been marketing. And it's not the always the easiest thing, I'll say. I always feel like I need to work hard to be more likable, sociable, and I was trained really hard to be visible while I knew that I really didn't want to be in the center of attention. So the struggle started in school, actually. I am born and raised in Taiwan, and I went to school in the U.S. for my graduate degree in University of Minnesota. And I remember there was one class that I really interested in, but the professor graded our participation by the frequency of we speak up, right? So for the whole semester, I remember me trying very, very hard to raise my hand and ask a question. But at the end of the semester, I still failed because I was always thinking, oh, is this a good question? Am I even making sense? And after I finally found my courage to raise my hand, they already moved on to the next topics. So yeah, as an introvert, because we're deep thinkers and we tend to plan well before taking actions. So it's always appear that we are slower, we're less responsive, or we don't have any ideas. And the situation got even worse in the workplace because in family or in school, people are supportive and in education, they basically trying to train you to do well, right? But in the workplace, it's a very competitive environment and nobody's obligated to help you or assist you. You're pretty much on your own. So in the workplace, especially in the fast-paced marketing industry and sports industry, it's not easy. I remember one of my former bosses said it very clearly, how can you even market our products and services when you can't even market yourself very well? 
So that was <laughs> that was tough, and I actually tried a lot of different approaches to be more visible and to contribute more. But you know, it's not always easy, and I can always see people's face saying, "Hey, you don't belong here," or "We want、mm-hmm. more sociable, more expressive people, not a quiet girl or not a quiet、mm-hmm. yellow girl like you." I can definitely relate to like. Having participation be a huge part of your grade in class, and every time I try to like raise my hand, I feel my heart pumping so fast, and you、exactly. hear it in your ear. And then when I raise my hand, I'm like shaking a little bit. But then like when I open my mouth, my face is red, and I can feel all of it. And I don't even know why. It's just like a simple question. I'm just like raise your hand, say this, and it's easy. But then like at work, it's so much harder because I think in The corporate world. If you are females, are usually not in like the sports industry, and、right. also being like a person of color, there's like another layer, and then being an intro is like another added layer, right? It's all of those combinations of identities that kind of builds on each other, and then you feel like really nervous. Are there any tips that helped you overcome some of these challenges and helped you succeed in your career? I think yeah. Back to the example that you mentioned in the sports industry. I remember. So I actually talked to my manager and say, "Hey, can you assign someone who's older, who's in male, and who's more experienced than me, and I'll just team up with him." But all the negotiations, all the things, I and the contracts and everything, I can prepare in advance. It's just in that meeting room, in that group discussions, he needs to be the face of our clients. And I don't mind if he leading the conversation because I actually prepare all the contents for him. But my final goal is actually to get the deal done and try to maximize the benefits for our client. So I think it's more about how you see yourself. Like you know who you are and you know who you're not, and find a strategy to really achieve your goals. Like for me, I really don't mind if it's me or it's my colleague. It doesn't matter. That what matters is I actually reach my goal of closing that deal. When I went back to Taiwan with that major league baseball experience, especially in the players development department, it's a male dominant environment, and the people I negotiated with are mainly white male and thirty to forty years older than me. So whenever I go into a negotiation, they look like. What are you doing here? Get your manager, and I was like, I am the manager, and、uh, <laughs> they were like, you don't belong here. And the fact is that because I was younger and I was, like you said, multiple minority, so I strongly feel that okay, maybe it's not going to work. So I talked to my manager and said. Hey, this is not going to work because my goal is actually to get the maximum benefit for my clients, and I'm not going to let my minority and let my、um, disadvantages. And I'm curious, how did you end up breaking into the sports industry from your background? Yeah, so actually, in graduate school, my major was in sports management. So that's how I started, and my first job is actually with the Minnesota Twins. I was in the marketing department, and then I went back to Taiwan because Taiwan is one of the countries where the Major League Baseball teams search talent. So when I got a job with a sports agency, 
And I was very lucky to be able to represent some of the most talented players from Taiwan and help them to negotiate deals with Major League Baseball franchise. Wow, I really admire everything you did and went through.、It、takes a lot of strength, definitely, to overcome a lot of the difficulties and stereotypes、um, barriers socially. And not only were you able to break through all of that, you're also able to train everyone. What was your journey through your personal mental health and like well-being as you're going through this? That's a very good question. So, in the first half of my career, I really struggle a lot because I feel like I need to be someone else to be likable and to be successful. Because everyone was telling me, "Okay, you cannot be successful by being quiet, or you are too quiet. That means you are not going to be successful." So, for the first of my career, I've been trying so hard to be someone who's Expressive, who is sociable, and hopefully likable, so that people would notice me, and people would like me, and people would give me opportunities. And then I feel like I need to put on an armor, and it was very tiring. But I thought, okay, I need to work hard. I need to work really hard because I want success. So that's the mentality for me in the first half of my career. But then the turning point is when I was 30 years old. I read amazing work by authors like、uh, Susan Cain, Jennifer Conwiler, and Beth Bigelow. They talked about introversion. They talked about introverts in the workplace and how we can actually use our. So my mentality became instead of like trying to be someone I'm not, I'm trying to be who I am and find my own ways to do things. So I can actually give you a example. I remember there was one time my boss took me at, to an international conference where there are a thousand people from forty something countries, and my goal was to sign ten new contracts by the end of the four day conference. Right. So I remember I flew from Taiwan. I brought two whole boxes of business cards, and I was very excited and thought like, okay, ten clients in four days. I'm gonna do this. And then the conference started with a cocktail party. <laughs> you know, all those cocktail parties. People wear nicely, and they're in small circles, chit chatting. And I remember I stood at the door, and I couldn't have the nerve to step in. I was holding my business card tightly, but I didn't know what to do. I couldn't start a conversation because I didn't know anyone there, and I was so nervous. So instead of going in there, I actually went straight back to my hotel room and stayed there for the whole night and even came out again. But at the end of the four-day conference, I instead of ten clients, I signed three hundred. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah, but how did I did that? Right. So I was in the hotel room thinking, okay, I, my goal is ten, but how do I do it when I couldn't even start a conversation with one person? So I actually went through all the background information of all the thousand participants. I shortlisted five of them who I thought were able to help me achieve the goals. They might be key influencers. They might be leaders of larger organizations. So I started to set up one-on-one -on -one coffee chats with them. And at the end of the day, one of them really liked my service and what I offered. And he was like, "Okay, I'll just bring all my members on board." And there were. Three hundred of them. So that's how I got the job done. So looking back, if it's me when I was twenty-eight 
or 29 something years old, I would definitely try very hard to exchange business cards in that cocktail party and try to impress people and try to introduce myself very well. At the end of the day, I may be very drained and without really achieving the goal, I'm not sure. But with that change of mindset, I actually can really create a battlefield that's in my favor and actually works better for me instead of fighting in others' games. I think for people like us, people who are not in the mainstream value, the thing is always to be strategic, to know who you are and who you're not, and try to find the most efficient way to get things done. Wow. I think that's amazing how you had the first initial idea of 10 and then you got 300. And I think it's amazing that you use your own strengths instead of trying to do what everyone else is doing. Because obviously, that isn't what fits your personality. And doing this way with the one-on-one and coffee chats is actually more beneficial to you. I think that really resonates with I don't like meetings at all, (laughs) but for my job, I'm always in a meeting. And I realized that in the beginning, when I was trying to lead these meetings, I was mimicking my managers or what I see. And all of my managers used to be like male. So then I would try to like mimic their way of speaking, their speech, like the diction, as well as the hand motions and everything. And it just didn't fit my personality. And I felt like it was so hard to connect with people. But then I tried different ways. Like let's say emailing or Slack or like something else that could form that personal connection. And I actually did try like the one-on-one, like get to know someone because I think that's more of my strength instead of trying to force myself to be this other person that I think is like a good leader. Mm, Yeah, yeah. So uh, we need to be more creative, right? Because we're like in the beginning of our career, we're always trying to find a role model and try to be like him or her. But at the end of the day, I realized there's no specific role model for everyone. I actually learned from different role models and I capture one or two traits from each of them and try to be creative and create my own role model. So that's actually what I did. And I can totally resonate with what you're saying that because a lot of times I was trying to look like my manager because that's how I will look in five or 10 years, right? That's my goal. But then I realized, no, I'm not going to be like him or she because I'm just not that person. I'm me. So having that mentality set up and always saying to myself, okay, I'm unique. But I, first of all, I need to know what my selling points are, what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. So I can develop a strategy that better fits my personality and fits my skill sets. I think a lot of people, not only just introverts, but especially people who are neurodiverse um, and also don't fit like the mainstream personality stuff, like have a lot of difficulty figuring out who their own role models are. Um, and I think it's really important you're sharing your story and showing that it's possible to have many, many different ways of being yeah. successful. So earlier on in your journey, you had more difficulty like with your mental health. Could you elaborate a little bit more on what struggles you were going through then and how that played in with your introversion? I think my biggest struggle at the start of my journey is I don't like myself. I don't like being quiet. I don't like that I overthink. I don't like that I analyze too much and do too little. I thought that that's not what good leaders or good managers look like. Good leaders are charismatic. 
and I wouldn't think I would ever be such a person in the future. So I tried very hard, but I still. There are things you can learn, but there are things you cannot learn. And charisma is definitely not something I can learn, unfortunately. So I, I was like, oh my god, I wish I had a better personality because I think I was worse. Like I said, after learn more about myself, learn more about introversion, I started to feel like, yeah, there may be different ways of climbing up. And different approaches, and I think the social as a whole、uh, has changed a little bit too. Because like 20 years ago, diversity and inclusion wasn't even a thing, or it's not such a big thing, and people don't care whether you're extroverted and introverted. There's only one way to be successful. There's one way to be a good manager or a good leader. But things change. Like the focus actually shifts a little bit from the Wall Street. Style to、uh, Silicon Valley style, and they're like, it, you can be geeky and successful. That's what I learned. So I was like, yeah, maybe I can be like that too. I don't need to always be getting on stage and giving a very inspirational talk and、uh, like the movie stars or being、mm-hmm. center of attention. But I can still be impactful and influential, and I can still get my job done. In regard to mental health, I think there was one time I really disliked my personalities, but then I realized, okay, after I tried so hard for such a long time, I realized there's no way for me to change who I am. So instead of changing who I am, I decided to be like, okay, I'll just embrace who I am. I'll just let it be, and we'll start from here and see what I can do as me. Instead of as someone else, because this is me, and I'm okay with it now. I think that's super admirable. And you mentioned that you thought you would never one day be this like charismatic person, inspiring people. That's exactly what you're doing now. <laughs> I'm sure you're inspiring so many of our listeners. You obviously are like very successful right now, and especially with your book reaching so many different people. How have you dealt with that like public receptions to your book and kind of being thrown into the limelight?、Mm, that was not an easy job for me either. Because I didn't see it coming. Introverts, it's all about preparation, right? Mental preparation and physical preparation. We need to prepare everything before it happens. And the book is definitely not anything that I imagined. So my first imagination is like, okay, maybe introverts is just a very small portion of the population, and it's not a huge deal. So maybe my readers are only like three thousand, and that was it. But It became popular and it became a bestseller, and now it's translated into four languages and and published、wow. in in different Asian and European and the U.S. too. I didn't expect this, and one thing that I didn't expect is、uh, online haters didn't hesitate to share any criticism on you, because I am very private person. I don't like. Being seen on the internet, I don't want to be visible. I tend to hide myself all the time, and that became very personal because they attacked who I am and they attacked my family, and that's not something I thought coming. So it was a very hard time for me. I was depressed for a very long time because they pretty much criticized everything about me, and I didn't want to. Speaking in public again, and I minimized my online activities because of that. Because everything I did actually will attract some criticism, and I didn't like it. 
There was one friend of mine who reminded me, hey, you're paying too much attention to the haters. You need to pay more attention to the people who support you or people who benefit from your work and benefit from your talk, your book. If you minimize your activities because of the haters, that means they defeat you. And you don't want to be defeated because you're here for a reason. Your book is popular for a reason because your book is helpful for some people and people can get benefits from learning by your struggles and your lessons and your stories. So after I talked to that friend, I was like, okay, maybe I'll just focus on the positive impacts of my book. And, you know, to be honest, the supporters are like 98% of the people mm -hmm. that I, that give me feedback and only 2% of the haters that I encounter. But we pay so much attention on trying to please everybody. And to the extent that we ignore 98% of people who like you and support you and give you all their encouragement and positive feedback. Still, it wasn't easy. Like I would be recognized in random occasions, like when I went to shopping at Costco or reading in the bookstore, people would uh, recognize me and approach for a selfie, for autograph. It's not definitely in my comfort zone. But I feel like if this is something meaningful for me and if it's helpful to some people, that's the cost I can take. And I'm happy to take it because it, as long as I can be helpful to the society, to the community, I, I'm okay with it now. Mm. I think that's super inspiring how you face the online haters as well as like overcoming that challenge of depression. I can only imagine how scary it is to receive those comments, especially if they're attacking like your family and who you are. And I think so yeah. many people now with like a social media presence, anyone can know information about you. And that sort of privacy of who you are can be openly available on the internet. And I think that's really scary. No one really thinks about this when they're posting these things, but it can be easily manipulated and like twisted. So I think having your perspective that you are creating value and affecting and helping these people who really need it and trying to like ignore the people who are just hating on something that they don't really know or understand or they just don't really want the best for you and try to like ignore mm -hmm. that aspect. And I wanted to know more about the public reception that were positive for your book. Did you see any cultural differences between like Taiwan, where it was like a bestseller, or in the US, as well as the different cultures between introverts and extroverts in those two different cultures? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. So I grew up in Taiwan, which is a more introverted culture. The Eastern Asian culture is more introverted. Since we're little, we were taught to be humble and to speak less and listen more and always be attentive to others' needs and their demands. Whereas in the Western culture, we're always encouraged to speak up, stand up, and to contribute our ideas or anything. <laughs> Basically, we need to be the one that be heard and be noticed, which is very different from the culture I, I'm from. I mean, especially in the after the book launched, it became one of my challenges to find the balance. Because a part of me as an introverted person and from an introverted culture, I didn't want people to see me. 
but that's not the way you sell books, right? You, you need people to know you. You need people to see your work, to hear you speak, to increase your presence on the internet and in physical events and everywhere. You need to be everywhere. But I only wanted to be at home and do nothing and be myself, right? So that's a very challenging part in the beginning. Also, I didn't want to let my publisher down. I know it's their job to sell books and make their revenue. And I'm the author. I'm the one who's supposed to be out there and sell my books, right? It's not their job. It's mine. So because I didn't want to let them down, I started to do all those things. I do a lot of uh, interviews, TV interviews, um, broadcasts, podcasts, and everything. And I um, have numerous autographs, signing events and everything and speeches and give trainings to corporates and to general public. In this respect, COVID is not a total bad thing for me either because (laughs) if if it's a regular year, like if 2020 is a regular year, I probably need to go on a book tour in the US. But because of COVID, I can do it virtually and I can do everything at home. I can give webinars. Uh, I can uh, speak on podcasts without actually being there and meeting people. I'm not saying that I hate meeting people. I love meeting people. But it's just for introverts, it's a very draining experience because there's a lot of interaction and all those are stimuli for introverts. So even if it's just a five, 10 minutes of public speaking, I always feel like super exhausted afterwards from personal perspective and from a cultural perspective. It's so difficult to find a balance and I'm still trying to find that balance, but COVID has been helpful. So (laughs) I can definitely relate to that. (laughs) I think I'm more introverted than I thought I was after quarantine and how much I'm enjoying all of these virtual meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How do you mentally prepare and physically prepare for like these social interactions because it is draining. And I guess, is there any tips and advice you have for other listeners who are introverted and they have to go into like these interviews or talks and like participate in class, like wherever aspect they are in their life, you always have to do these day-to-day interactions. So how do you prepare for it? Yeah, I wrote so much about it in in my book because that's actually my biggest challenges right everything is a challenge for me like going to social events interviews or getting on stage for a presentation or even in the regular group meeting that's a challenge so take my biggest challenge for example social events i need to go to a lot of networking events to build my network to really help people to get to know more about me And what I did is actually, I would recommend three things. The first one is always prepare in advance. So preparation doesn't only mean just mentally prepared. That's important too. But also I would definitely reach out to the organizer of the event and get the list of the attendees. That would be super helpful for me if I knew in advance who's going to go there who they are, what their backgrounds are, so I can get a sense of what topics can I have with them. And the second thing is I would definitely arrive earlier. That actually is beneficial in two ways. The first way is I can always find a place for breathe. So for example, I need to know where the restrooms are or where there's a balcony where I can, when I'm exhausted from the conversation, I, I can actually take a break before rejoining the section. 
So the first benefit is actually I can find my safe houses in that venue. And the second benefit is actually I can arrive earlier before the crowds get in because I knew I'm better in smaller group conversations. When I arrive early, I can start talking to people who are already there early too. And having that in-depth smaller group conversation is helpful for me to get blended into that occasion with the pace that I'm more comfortable with. Mm, talk to some people and then try to develop more working opportunities or try to build that relationship from that very few chats in the social events. So again, a lot of the occasions such as interviews or presentations, public speakings, or even meetings, there are so many ways introverts can actually prepare ourselves to do it, to set up for a better result. It's just a lot of times we don't know that because like I said, the corporate world is very extroverted and people do things in an extroverted way. We didn't have a chance to learn how to be successful or how to prepare ourselves as an introvert. So that's pretty much my, what my book is about. Like I want to bring up to everyone that being an introvert, it doesn't mean that you are worse or it's your disadvantage. It's like the way you function is different. And with that different personality, you actually have a different set of uh, preparation and the workflow or everything that we do to set you ready for success. And that's what I learned from my over 20 years working experience and struggles. So I have pretty much read everything that I learned in the book. And I wanted to help people to avoid the confusion and frustration that I had in my career. I think that's amazing. I really love how you mentioned that in the beginning, you wouldn't like yourself and you didn't know why you're doing certain things. But when you talk about how like strategic your approach is now, it just makes so much sense. And it sounds like you have a lot of value to bring too. And I think when I was first struggling with my diagnosis and like the way my brain works with ADHD and stuff, at first I was like, oh, I, am I just dumb? <laughs> why can they do this like the way everyone else can? But then once I developed the vocabulary and strategies and processes to work with how you work, it's just like, oh yeah, I just work differently. And now I can be smart about it. And I have so many useful things to bring to the table. So I'm very grateful that you did overcome that struggle and understand how amazing your book is for providing all these tools for other people from all of your experience. We talked a little bit about how quarantine is in relation to work. It's helpful for making things virtual, events and things like that. For people who are struggling a little bit with social life and have limited social interactions, do you have any advice for them? And like, how has your social situation been? My social situation has been amazing since COVID <laughs> <laughs> because all the physical events are canceled. <laughs> I feel like I'm built for this year. I've been preparing my, myself for, for this year for my whole life. This is my year. But I also get the anxiety and tension in the beginning of COVID because I am not very good at facing uncertainty. And remember that time when the world is going crazy and I was like, oh my God, is this the end of the world? What if I don't have the food to eat? What if I lost my job? Or what if I cannot raise my kid anymore? You know, all those uncertainty is actually a lot of pressure for me too. So I feel like I'm not in the best position to share my experience because here in Taiwan, like things are doing okay. 
like we've never had a lockdown, like all the supplies are okay. The economy is going down, of course, but life-wise, it's pretty much normal. So my suggestion to extroverts and introverts in such a difficult time, it's always to find the little joy in your life. Like if you're getting tired of sitting, for example, because we're all at home, right? It's always helpful to switch the environment. Like sometimes you're working from your dining table. Sometimes you're working from your office and from your sofa. You can actually make little changes to your life. To be able to also maintain the excitement, the little joys of your life. And in terms of social interactions, I feel like because introverts, we value deeper conversations. It's always been helpful to set up one-on-one chats with your friends, either it's via email, via instant messages, or via quick Zoom chat. I think it's always helpful for us to stay connected with the one you love and the one you care about. And I noticed that things like book clubs are not as popular as pre-COVID times because that's the event people need to see each other to get that energy, right? To share that feeling with each other. I also know some of the book clubs, they're doing an amazing job doing it virtually like with specialized hosting and specialized designing the flow and everything. I, again, a very good way to stay connected and energized by all those social interactions. And podcasts too, I think. We listen to so many podcasts. And that's a good way because actually working from home allow us more time to absorb new information, right? Including podcasts. And after hearing your podcast, if I join the the social network that you're having, if I follow you, I feel like I'm actually making more friends by Mm -hmm. staying at home. I can definitely relate to that. Like when you're in a COVID situation, you're quarantined at home, it's harder to have those in-person conversations. But then I find myself listening to YouTube videos more or like podcasts. And it gives you that sense of like, oh, you're still having a conversation with others, but you don't necessarily need to immediately respond, but you still get that new input of perspectives, which I really appreciate. And, And I also find myself like now that we're quarantined at home that I've gotten more introverted. So when I see like text messages or like DM on Instagram and stuff I'm like oh no like I have to like put a calendar <laughs> event on my calendar now to be like oh answer emails texts and everything and I like write it down on a post-it and I'm like okay do that then and I'll like respond once a week <laughs> but I think really once COVID, a week yeah once a week before COVID I was like super bubbly and like I love talking to people but I think there's a difference in like a video conversation or like text Mm -hmm, conversation because you're bombarded with these messages throughout the day and I think each time you answer it like drains a bit of your energy Mm -hmm. you have to like collect it and then do it at the end of the (laughs) week or something yeah that's amazing way of doing that but once a week (laughs) (laughs) that also might be slightly influenced by ADHD I have the same issue Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel the same thing. Like with remote working, all the messages and emails, they coming all the time. And because I work across 16 time zones during my day, it's like constantly messages saying that, Hey, do you have five minutes? Can we have a short talk? Can we chat with you really quick? Mm. And it's 
very, very draining. So、mm. as an introvert, I actually developed my own strategies of trying to put those disturbances together, <laughs> like what they did, <laughs> and to deal with them in a certain period of, of my daytime, as to avoid that they interrupt everything I do. Because I know that if I get back to them immediately, and if I put that in my higher priority, I probably wouldn't have the Opportunity to do anything else that would definitely ruin my productivity. So yeah, I, I guess we're all <laughs> developing our own strategies in remote working and in quarantine in, in social life too. Thank you so much, Jill, for sharing all of your amazing insights for all the introverts and extroverts out in the world. Thanks for listening to another episode of Two Addies and a Coffee, please. 